This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Uh, it is the Adam Gold Show, and on Wednesdays at this time, we talk to my friend Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, Cover 3 podcast moderator. He joins us. He's very excited to be on. Were you just dancing? Did I did I notice dancing going on? Are you listening to music? What what's the soundtrack of Wednesday for you? Well, Riri, I mean, did you not just hear what was being played as we were coming back from break? I mean, what's? Oh yeah, no, all the bump music sometimes fades into my uh, just into the background unless it's a uh, you know a, a Steely Dan song or something. Thank you for appreciating it. Chip. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, listen. You- Put up, you put up one of the more danceable Riri jams. I'm going to be getting my but, hips moving a little bit. It's only second nature. <laughs> oh, you're the best. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's start with uh, it. Just an incredible week for college football slate. But I want to start in the ACC, and we'll start at noon, where Florida State is traveling to Clemson. Florida State, I don't know what they were doing last uh, 15 minutes of the game in Chestnut Hill against Boston College other than begging to lose a game that would have been a complete killer for them over the course uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, But this is a crossroads game for Clemson. Do you see a path back for Clemson with a home loss to Florida State? No, not to accomplish their goals. Um, you know, I think that the college football playoff is not a realistic goal for a Clemson fan, but the ACC championship absolutely should be. But if you are already sitting with two conference losses after this game and, you know, look further down the schedule, you know, there's other games that all, that all of a sudden no longer look, uh, you know, as, as much of a chalk it up W win. I mean, this Clemson team, while the last six quarters, have been much closer to the Clemson that you imagine. Right. You are still talking about a roster that has its deficiencies, and they are growing up. There are a lot of freshmen on this team that have been flashing in a big way, and Saturday against Florida State could be uh, their big confidence-boosting statement win that sort of kickstarts a really fascinating conclusion to the conference season. But no, I, I don't see a path back. This is as must-win as a September game will get. And just a lot of a lot of pride on the line, too, for a Clemson team that has won seven straight in the series. I've always said Death Valley is one of the best home field advantages in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's go time right now for the Tigers in, in terms of the weight, the pressure, you know, what's at stake here. Let me just push back a little bit. Because, first of all, based on what I have seen, and what I think, I don't believe Clemson can do the following. If they beat Florida State and run the table and win the ACC, you don't think Clemson's in the picture for the playoff? Maybe not. Oh, I've, I find that impossible to believe because that would include a win over Notre Dame as well. And then possibly a rematch with Florida State. You, it is really easy to talk in a vacuum. Like no, there's no, I not get it. All these other conferences with team, more teams that look better. Right, but if, if they were to do that, the theory would be that they would have looked the part. Now, I, look, do I think they're going to do that? I don't think they're going to do that. Because like I don't it, think they're, I don't think that sure, this like is a, a vintage team. A Florida State, a Notre Dame a North Carolina and a Florida State. Yeah, that's a college football playoff. Team. Right, that's that that's all I'm saying. I'm like if if they were to go 
you know, win win out the rest of the season. I mean, I can't, for the life of me, figure out why they wouldn't be at least a serious consideration sure. for the college football playoff. Um, but I don't, they're home, un- when was the last time Clemson was a home underdog? 2016, um, Lamar Jackson came oh. into Death Valley and nearly beat him. And if it wasn't for... Uh, stepping out of bounds, four yards short oh, wow, of the first right. down sticks in scoring position, then maybe Clemson doesn't win. They won that game 42-36. to 36. Uh, Louisville got out to a really fast start. Deshaun Watson leads them back. I was actually there. It was one of the best games I have ever seen in the regular season in person. Um, that, that was the last time Louisville entered that game. Remember off the heels of, Lamar putting 60-some on Florida State in, like, week three. And so there was a lot of momentum charging. It was, like, first week of October. I think it was an early, you know, week five-ish type game. Right. So, yeah, that to answer your question, it has been since the eventual Heisman Trophy winner went toe-to-toe with Deshaun Watson in 2016 that Clemson has found itself as a home underdog. But, look, the way that we've talked about these two teams, two and a half seems small. And I think that there is right. a very likely possibility like, – Clemson winning is not a surprise. Clemson winning is not a huge upset, even though one of these teams is in the top five, the other one is unranked. Because I have seen some things, again, in the last six quarters, of which you should be encouraged. Defensively, Mm -hmm. they are getting after teams. And I understand you're talking about Charleston Southern and FAU. Yes, not yet. The offense is not not fixed. It just looked great on the scoreboard and Mm -hmm. on the ticker at the bottom because all Cade Klubnick had was short fields. Now, that's what's going to have to happen is that Clemson's defense is going to have to set up this Clemson offense with short fields because Clemson's offense, while I love the emergence of freshman wide receiver Tyler Brown, he had a big punt return in that game, mm-hmm. again, short field, mm-hmm. and also the only explosive play in that game. You know, when you're losing wide receivers left and right, to have a classic Clemson, Greenville, South Carolina, short under-recruited, overlooked player all of a sudden become your go-to guy. I mean, that's about as OKG, our kind of guy, Clemson (laughs) Dabo, as it gets. If he has that kind of game again, then now all of a sudden you can start to imagine the offense. But the offense is not one that can march down the field 75 to 80 yards time and time again because they don't have explosive plays. But they are good enough to be able to cash in when they do get to the red zone. They've got enough weapons. So for the Florida State side, you're going into hostile territory. You're going up against a defense that sends a bunch of pressure, tries to confuse you. Your defense is great. We saw that awesome Nate Wiggins pick six in the game against FAU. You, you have to make sure that you don't make it easy. Make Garrett Riley and Cade Klubnick go all the way down the field. Right. It is not something that they've had to do often. So I, it is very much on Florida State to show maturity, which, by the way, like you mentioned earlier, didn't get great maturity marks for the way that they handled the last 12 minutes in I mean, Chestnut Hill against Boston College. BC could have won the game. I mean, for, no joke. BC could have won that football game. 31 th- to 10 with 12 minutes left is the right. reason not to be concerned, and it is the reason to be concerned for Florida State. Like, the way I, the way I remember it, BC had the ball near midfield in a two-point game in like with two minutes left. And then Florida State sacked them again. They lost like 1,000 yards. And ultimately, Florida State was able to hold on. But they were that close to needing a drive to retake the lead and, in some ways, save their season. Um, who's the second-best team in the ACC right now behind Florida State? 
Chip Patterson is with us, by the way. Cover three podcast. From the um, what you've done or because we are starting to hit the crux of where you and I always seem to butt heads, which is what have you shown on the field versus what I believe you are. By week five, week six, I flush everything. I flush everything. You are what your results are. But I do think that we deal with small sample sizes here. We're we're in a gray area because there also have been some suspect opponents, which is why I don't give much credence to what I saw from Clemson's offense the last two weeks. Some suspect opponents. uh, But you can justify whatever you want. So uh, who do you think the second best team in the the ACC is right now behind Florida State? Miami. It's fair. That's fair. Their offensive line is nasty. They have they have done something to where it doesn't have to be um, Tyler Van Dyke throwing everything on his shoulders because that offensive line is doing such a good job of setting a tone. And that's just I, – I have um, – I've benefited a lot from right. knowing that Mario Cristobal tends to <laughs> limit what his offenses are able to do with some of that, you know <laughs> – more knuckle dragging. Right. We're going to be really tough at the line of scrimmage, but damn, if they are not tough at the line of scrimmage, defense is yeah. really, really good. I, I'm, I am Miami. I, I believe that Miami, Duke, North Carolina, and Clemson. That's your tier. That it is Florida State, yep. then those teams, and then you get a big drop into the. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. I don't Sure, Wolfpack, I hope everything's okay. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about the ACC is we can tout these, like, the great record against the SEC, and we wonder why there's not, you know, more respect. But Virginia Tech is a dumpster fire. Boston College is a dumpster fire. Virginia is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Pitt is, Pitt's in free fall right now. That's, like I, what, that's what scares me about this week, right? Is that this is the time when the Pitt Death Star just, I, like, becomes fully operational? I, I... I think they're good. I don't understand what has happened. Like, Cincinnati might be good, so at least that was a competitive ball. Well, I don't know what they did against West Virginia. That was just gross. Phil Djokovic had, like, what, 87 yards passing and three picks? Like, what do you – I can't even fathom that. Um, did you hear the quote from the West Virginia player about Phil Djokovic? No. It was just so um, gut-wrenching if you are a Pitt fan. the I forgot which defender it was, but he said in the postgame availability – it, it, it very plain, matter-of-fact tone. He said, yeah, yeah, that quarterback's not very good at his job. Oh, God. I mean, you would almost rather have smack talk, right? You would almost <laughs> rather it it be like, oh, he's nothing, or, or, or like, right. you know, some, something that's a little bit less. Wow. Like, we studied the tape. We didn't think he's very good at his job, and we thought we could go make him pay, and that's exactly what West Virginia's defense did. So I wow. – I, I enjoyed, you know, just sitting here watching all the moving pieces in the ACC, but the the conference as a whole does have some it does have as many warts as anybody else in in the country. They all, all the conferences do. Like all the conferences have a have an underbelly that is not great. But what what would you say about a league in which you can make a legitimate argument that Clemson, a school like Clemson, is the fifth best team? That. It's a bad sign for Clemson. <laughs> no, serious. That I see. I would. I mean, I mean, I would. That's not what I, I would say. That that's a pretty. You, you, at you least say, in, the, in the top half, that's a pretty good league. You say a school like Clemson, when we need to remember there were twenty years when Clemson didn't win an ACC championship. I pointed that out earlier for all the people who think I, well, this is not Clemson. I'm like, 
actually, <laughs> we don't have to go back that far to where this is exactly Clemson. I, I grew up with Clemson being kind of regular. Yeah, like, they were. They had NFL players. Yeah. It was always a tough out. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about perennially eight, nine win kind yeah, of team. Absolutely. And so, you know, the idea that you might not be at the top of the mountain forever. I mean, it's just like a fascinating, fascinating big picture landscape when you've got eight teams, eight games on the schedule between, hold on, I got eight games between teams with zero losses. You've got six games between ranked teams for the first time in a yep. September Saturday since 2006. And yet, Alabama and Clemson, the two programs who seem to rule college football there for a half decade, both could get their second loss of the season in week four. No question. Um, Alabama's hosting Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. I mean, Saban hasn't lost to, to a lot of former assistants, but he just took one from Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Have you and, and I not talked about this one? You know, hey, what's Nick Saban's record against everybody else? Right, no, every, you and I, we, we have it, but I made the same point as they were yeah. as they were t- lauding the record. Like, so the record against former assistants is about the same as yes. his record against everybody else. Everybody. <laughs> it is, look, it's just all cool stuff to say out loud uh, during, a, uh, during a game broadcast. I have two more things for you, Chip Patterson. Uh, the first is... Is Colorado really a 21-point underdog at Oregon? Oregon might have one of the best offenses in the country. Sure. And Bo Nix in home games throughout his career. Because everybody who's an Auburn fan who's listening remembers Road Bo. Like, Bo (laughs) Nix, Auburn, go on the road, and he turned into a pumpkin and start throwing interceptions. But in 26 home starts across Auburn and Oregon, Bo Nix has 63 total touchdowns and just three interceptions. Wow. He is one of the most efficient <laughs> players of the modern era when he is only playing at home and this game is in Eugene. Right. But I do believe that if you look at the top 12 to 13 teams in the country and we break them all down and we say like your offensive, your offensive rating and your defensive rating, there are two outliers in the top 12 to 13 teams in the country and it is Oregon's defense and USC's defense. And those are the next two opponents for Shadur Sanders in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so can Shadur Sanders, Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, who's done a a really good job like last week against Colorado State, putting in the kind of adjustments that you needed after you lose Travis Hunter and you find yourself in a hole to be able to climb back into that game and force overtime. What are they going to be able to find on tape? What are they going to be able to do on the field to be able to try to keep up with two of the most explosive offenses in the country? two Heisman Trophy contending quarterbacks, I tend to think that it is a Colorado um, either is all of a sudden like runs out of gas just because the the offense has a couple three and outs. You know, they play really fast, but that also means that, you know, right. if, if it doesn't go well. Defense is on the field right away. Right back on the field. And yeah. then if the defense is getting cooked, things could get out of hand quickly. But 21 is a fair number. Here, I look, the, I, uh, I ran the chipolytics on that <laughs> one. And let me tell you, I had Colorado, Oregon. I had it at 22 and a half. Did you really? Yeah. All right. I, I, like, I'll, I'll, no I'll forecast this. When, when we place bets on Friday, 
I'm going all. I'm going. I'm pushing all my chips into, it's, uh, into the middle. It's a no on play. Colorado. At, at 22 and a half versus 21, that's an official no play. Uh, I'll be picking Colorado plus 21. I'll be picking the over. Um, uh, you know what the Chipolytics also spit out? How about this one? This is one I would never trust. Uh, since also in the 330 time slots in front of me, Chipolytics spit out Duke minus 29 and a half. Spread is 21 and a half. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. All right, by the way. That's got to be just you can't trust them. Notre Dame on deck, total look-ahead spot. You're going up to UConn, the house that Jim Moore Jr. built. Agreed. They're going to try to drag you into the muck and just, yep. like, play a low-scoring game. The reason why the numbers say Duke should win the game by 30 and they're favored only by 21-and-a-half is all based on situation. No question, and Duke will probably do what they did against Lafayette, which is maybe start a little slow, and then they'll score some points, and then they'll take everybody out of the game. Uh, Riley Leonard's only played two and a half games of football because he didn't play in the second half against Lafayette. And by the way, tell your friend Tom Fornelli okay. to make sure that Riley Leonard doesn't ever get, in even in his honorable mentions of the quarterback ranking, because all Riley Leonard does is help your team win. Um, all right, final thing for, for you, Chip. Because th- this is just, uh, we really can spend maybe 60 seconds on this uh, Ross Dellinger wrote about it for uh, Yahoo, and I've talked about this for a while. The potential for promotion and relegation within a conference, and the Pac-12 is down to two. Oregon State and Washington State are thinking about doing some sort of a deal with the Mountain West, where they add teams, split it into two groups of eight, and add promotion and relegation. And I thought that article was fascinating today. And I have suggested that within the framework of the power conferences that we end up with something like that what are your thoughts on that the only feasibility comes from the idea that your financial you cannot have the same financial uh gap that you do in european football right when you're moving from level to level true i mean i i would not the way that rosters can flip the way that one bad hire of a, a coach can mm-hmm. you know tank your outcomes in college football. Right. I mean, we're not, we're not out here playing a 38 week campaign, right. Or 38 match day campaign. (laughs) You've only got 12 games and only eight of them are going to be conference games Like you cannot have the fortunes of your athletic department, whether or not your SID is going to get fired is based on whether or not Johnny Newton goes out there and catches a touchdown in the, seventh conference game of the year so as long as it is a i think that in terms of drawing interest yes it is that's what it's about look it it is as strong as wait for it because conference usa is doing october tuesdays it's not just maction in november starting in october we're gonna have tuesday night and wednesday night conference usa and that is conference usa saying like look we need to find a way Mm -hmm from not being buried on Saturdays and putting a showcase uh, kind of must-see entertainment. And promotion, relegation, to me, 
as long as the financials aren't going to make it devastating to go up or down, Mm -hmm. at least introduces that same kind of hook that you get from midweek football. I love it. I I think it's fascinating. Chip Patterson, you're the best. CBSSports.com, Cover 3 podcast. All right, man, I'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Y'all be well. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.